We'll be in the book of Philippians today, taking a look at the beginning of chapter 2. We're going to be speaking about developing kingdom character, developing kingdom character today. And if we want to do something for the Lord, for his kingdom, we need a pure heart. We need to be people who have a high level of character and integrity. And David was a man after God's own heart. It meant something. And over time, he was promoted and elevated to positions of authority. And he ruled the kingdom. We know that. And while David wasn't perfect, he longed to be in the Lord's presence. He longed for it. He desired it. He wanted it. He wanted to be in the Lord's presence and to do what was right. Moses also loved to be in the Lord's presence as well. The Bible tells us that he was going into the tent of the tabernacle or the tent of the, the meeting. And he would sometimes go up into the mountains or even when he was praying in the, in the wilderness, he wanted to be in the Lord's presence. And he looked for those opportunities to dwell in the Lord's presence. And there we find in the Bible so many other people who just want to be in God's presence. And as we follow the stories of their lives and and how they lived and how, how they walked, we start to see their character start to emerge. And it's important for us to understand that as we spend time with the Lord as well, as we spend time in his presence, our godly character will start to emerge as well. Today we're going to take a look at Timothy, who had a general interest in the people of God as well as for those that were, were lost. And Paul says to him, I have no one else like him. I have no one else. And today we're going to speak again about character and a pure heart. And we'll be beginning our reading from Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 19. So let's just stand for a couple of verses as we do. It's tradition. We don't do this for every scripture verse, but if you can join us with that, we just want to take a moment and just honor this, this text today. Verse, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 through 24. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes genuine interest in your welfare. Verse 21, for everyone who looks out for his own interests, not those of their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he served with me in the, in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. I even just love that phrase, I am confident in the Lord. I hope you can say that for yourself, that you are confident in the Lord. So the scripture is so rich in so many, in so many ways. I have no one else like him. And there is also no one else like Jesus. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for the worship today. Oh, the, we just praise your name, oh God. Even now, Lord, as we, as we stand in your presence in awe of you, oh God, we just, we just worship you. We love you, oh God. And we thank you for worship. We thank you for the word as well, oh God. And help us to take it, embrace it, and live it out, Lord God, and infect the world uh, with, with your gospel message, oh God. Help us to be better witnesses of who you are, oh God, promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. 
Bless this time now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In life, people often pursue power and purity, position over humility. They pursue power over purity, is what I want to say. Power over purity, position over humility. And sometimes they have a false humility. If humility means a modest or low view of one's own importance, then false humility is pretending or making others believe that you are humble. And so what you see is not really what you get. And that's a flaw in one's character. And when you are chasing power and prestige or living with a false sense of humility, eventually that's going to be found out. It will create conflict in your life and conflict often in the kingdom of God as well. But what God is looking for, people of character who say what they mean and mean what they say. People who learn how to love and live rightly according to his words. People who have a pure heart. God is looking for people of character willing to serve him and his kingdom obediently and with a pure heart. Let's look some, at, at someone that Paul said had godly character, and that's Timothy. And Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and Silas to, uh, on their journey. Timothy eventually uh, would pastor the church in Ephesus. And he would have a pure heart. He had a, a, his faith is a, a genuine faith. In fact, no one was like-minded to Paul as Timothy was, as far as Paul was concerned. And the phrase, as in the King James Version says, I have no man or no one like-minded, I think is very interesting. In today's society, it's very difficult to find people who are like-minded. Well, like-mindedness, so many people have their own agenda, they wanna do their own things, often running around trying to gain power and prestige and, and some kind of position, following their own ways and their own uh, directives. They might seem like they're with you and for you, uh, but they're really not. They, especially you see it when they don't get their own way or they don't like something that you're doing or you're not moving fast enough for them, uh, or they leave, they move on. Or worse, they're moving on and leaving. They stay and they try to hinder and block and stop the work of, of God or the work that you believe that you have been called to do. I've seen this attitude not only here, but in, in so many churches that I've been, been to over the last uh, 30, 40 years. Um, people have their own agendas, and, and finding someone who's like-minded can be very difficult at times. Not impossible, but it can be difficult at times. And whether or not they agree with you or what you're doing or what God has called you to do, they support you in truth and love. And when you find that type of person, you hold on to them, you cherish them, you, you treasure those relationships. I've seen this both in the secular and sacred work. I've heard this stated by many pastors and leaders and people in general, business owners. You have a, a few people that are going to really align with you, who truly, you maybe even love you, truly want to work with you and help you, but the majority don't care. The majority have some kind of hidden agenda. And that's why I believe in the, uh, the Pareto principle that was developed by the Italian economist uh, uh, Filfredo Pareto in 1896. And he basically said, you might have heard this before, 20% of the people own 80% of the property. But the way I like to remember it is 
of the people do 80% of the work. And people often won't align with someone else's vision. They won't align if it's not their idea. They won't align if, if it's not their dream. And you see that. You see that in, in, in life. 20% of people are out there, go-getters, doing their thing. And a lot of people just on the, on the side, just watching and not doing their part, not doing their, what they're supposed to do. But that's not the way it's supposed to be in the kingdom of God. That's not the way it's supposed to be when you're part of the family of God. Paul says, I have no one else like Timothy who takes a genu genuine interest in your welfare. And then he goes on to say, for everyone looks out for their own interest, but not you, not those who are in Jesus Christ. And if Paul had this type of trouble, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was so brilliant. He was such a smart man. He, he was able to do so many great things, such a great leader. If he had that type of problem fi finding someone who was like-minded, wow, man, sometimes it's like, whoa, do we have a chance? Does a common person have a chance? Does a common leader or, 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 or pastor or person, um, business owner have a chance? And we see it in today's society. Nobody wants to work. People don't want to work. It's so hard to find people who really know how to work and go to any place and you almost see this, this law. It's not a law, but, it's, it, but, but it seems to be happening all over the place. 20% of people do 80% of the work. What a predicament that we find ourselves in. But throughout scripture, we learn that those who are born again, believers in Jesus Christ, those who say, I'm a Christian, those who are in Jesus Christ, the word of God says, don't act that way. Don't be that way. That is not the way you are to act. We are to be kingdom-minded, united people, like-minded, coming together to help build the kingdom of God. Remember, if you're truly a Christian, if you're truly in Christ Jesus, then we need to work together. And if it, it doesn't mean that we have to agree on every topic. I might not agree on what you wore today. But we don't have to agree on every topic, right? We don't have to agree on everything. But that means that we're all working for the same mission. We're all working for the same, for the same leader. We're all working for Christ. We're all part of his church. We're all part of his family. We're all on a mission by God, sent by God. Just imagine if, 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 if a body, your body, right? If one leg wants to go in one direction and the other leg won't move. You end up going in a circle. That's what happens. So if one leg is going in one direction and another leg is going in another direction, you have a split. And I know some of these bodies can't split. You're in a lot of trouble. How far are you going to go? Right? It's hard times. And it's hard sometimes to walk and work and be with people of a different mindset who act differently, have a different level of faith and understanding. And every day, most of us have to go into the work field or the marketplace and deal with people with a different mindset than our own. It's not always fun. But in the church, it's not supposed to be that way. It's not supposed to be a house divide. The Bible speaks about walking in agreement with someone else. How can you do this if you don't agree? If people are not in agreement on how something is going to be built, they're in conflict, they're in division. And if, and if they're not truthful, if their words are not truthful, if their agreement and deeds and actions are not reliable, right? This creates many, many problems. Imagine trying to, I'm, I'm, you know, two guys are going into trying to move this refrigerator. One guy's trying to move the refrigerator into a house. And another guy comes up the stairs and says, let me help you. So he starts pulling while the other guy's pushing. And they're working and they're, they're butting against each other. Man, what's happening here? And the one guy's like, 
I'm trying to pull it in the house. The other guy's, oh, I was trying to pull it out of the house. Working against each other, not working with each other, not being in agreement, not being in understanding of the direction that people need to go. It's hard, it creates conflict. It's hard to walk in agreement when your faith is not there, when you have a different understanding and a different belief system, you'll find conflict. How can we be in agreement unless we walk together? In the church, when we disagree, we pray, we talk it through together. We go to the Word of God and we search the Word of God and we come to an agreement together. And sometimes we have to agree to disagree. But we can't lose sight of the mission. And that is, we're supposed to all be on that same mission. We have to keep things in perspective and walk in agreement, in unity, in community. The Bible says in Philippians 2, verse 3 and 5, do not do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not look to your own interest only, right? Your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude, it says, should be the same as Christ Jesus. Timothy was like-minded. He cared about the people. He wanted to see the kingdom of God advance, right? Especially in the local church. He wanted to see it advance. He agreed with, with Paul in many ways. Today, people, people's character is often in question. Remember, God is not looking for someone who's powerful, but trying, trying to get ahead at any means. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for people who have character and integrity and make themselves available to his calling, who follows his instructions and ways, and who are going to be all in type people. Not just part in, all in type people. Sold out for the kingdom of God. But the truth is, none of us kind of meet that qualification on our own. And that can only happen after we dedicate our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to dedicate our lives and live the life that he has called us to live. He's the only one that can help us. He's the only one that can truly guide us, right? He's the only one who can truly save us as well. Too often people inside the church, right, as well, even inside the church, are looking for power and position and prestige and to be put up on a higher level or even have some, you know, I desire the spiritual gift, which is good, but they want to be put on a pedestal. They want to be in the, in the highlight before even they learn how to build the character. It's a problem. It's problematic. 1 Corinthians 14 speaks about pursuing love and, and pursuing spiritual gifts. So we ought to do that. But if we don't have a pure heart, if we don't have right motives, then our, our gifts will never, will never work out correctly. It just won't happen if you don't have character, if you don't have the, the, the proper integrity. 1 Corinthians 13 says, if, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels... But have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, it says. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all uh, mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains. I, oh, do you have faith that can move mountains? But if you have faith that can move mountains, but you have not love, it says, I'm nothing. I am nothing. If I possess, uh, possess to the poor and surrender, if I give all that I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain Nothing. So pursuing love is important. And I would say his love is paramount. Learning to develop your gifts is so, so important in one's life. But if you have no character, 
integrity, if you don't have a pure heart, you will abuse his love and his gifts every time. And you will gain nothing eternal in the process. So God is love. I hope you know that. I know you know that church. I know this church knows that. God is love. And until we walk in that truth and walk in that love with a pure heart and, and, and character, our character and intentions will always be in question. When you know someone doesn't love you, when you know someone's not operating right, that character will always be in question. And they will never reach and fulfill their, their full calling or their full potential that they have in life. Timothy's character was not questioned, but he had a pure heart. He had a pure heart. Now, some people are going to be chasing blessings. That's what they do. They're, they're church hoppers. They're church chasers. They go from blessing to blessing, revival to revival. Oh, oh, but I get that. I get some of that. But sometimes you just got to plant a flag and say, I'm here. This is where I'm going to be blessed by, by God. Some try to walk in someone else's anointing. And they don't deal with their own issues. They don't deal with the plank in their eye. They don't deal with their own issues. They don't deal with their own anger issues or their sin issues. And that must be dealt with first. For example, they might be unwilling to deal with their unforgiveness. Or unwilling to deal with their bitterness in their own life. In their home or in the heart. And yet, God bless me. God bless me. Well, I'm not going to correct this. God bless me. God bless me. They chase power, they chase position, they chase prestige, and they're looking outward instead of dealing with the inward issues of their heart. They're inward issues. We all have inward issues. And we need to examine our hearts. In fact, sometimes it takes years before we see the effects of bad characters. You know the old saying, fake it until you make it. Well, it's dangerous when you're, when you're a surgeon working on someone's brain. It will wake up tomorrow or not, depending on how the surgeon was. But if you pay attention uh, to what people say, you'll start seeing their character emerge. You'll start seeing the tendencies that they have emerged. The unwillingness to deal with certain issues that, that are out there. And it causes them to be in deceit or be deceived. And often those around them will be affected and affected as well. In fact, bad character will eventually affect those around them besides themselves. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrects good uh, character, right? From uh, Proverbs, I should say 10 verse 9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But he who makes his way crooked will be found out. So let's define this word character, what it might mean. Character is defined as a strength of moral fiber. A.W. Tozer described character as the excellence of moral beings. Character is the sum of your thoughts, actions, disposition, <coughs> desire, and intentions. A person's character is known for their honesty, charity, and ethics. And they are people of character and integrity and have a pure heart. A person who has a lack of character is moral deficient and tends to have uh, to behave dishonestly or uh, without ethics or, un or, or behaves unethically. Weakness of attitude becomes weakness of character. A bad character is an enemy of great talent. And when you lack character, you cannot be trusted. Character 
is influenced and developed by our choices and often the reason for our choices. You might have to rewind that and listen to it more than once. But in the Bible, we can learn, and we have learned, for those who study, that Daniel was a person of character, right? He was resolved not to defile himself in Babylon. Good character is a choice. Having good character. Youth, having good character is a choice. Adults, having good character, it's a choice. You make that choice. The Bible says the integrity of the upright guides them. But unfaithfulness are destroyed by their duplicity, their double-mindedness, their double way of thinking. And Proverbs 10 verse 9 says, the man of integrity walks securely. Good character will help us weather the storms of our life when they come. And they do come and it will help us. It keeps us from sinning when you have good character. So what are some characteristics of God that we should reach for, that we should teach, that we should embrace, that we should model in front of other people to the best of our ability. Well, God's character, he's a loving father, or for all of us, he's a parent, a loving parent. He's a, he is good, he is love, he is holy, he is sinless, he is righteous, there is no darkness in him, he's compassionate, he's gracious, he's kind and merciful, he's also just, He's faithful, generous, and he's a caring God. God is truthful. God is loving. And what he says, he means. And what, what he means, he says. He does what he says, right? Every one of his promises are going to be yea and amen. What he speaks, when he speaks the words, they're truth. The promises are true. You can hold on to every one of them. They are reliable and trustworthy and faithful, and they will get you to the other side. If he says, go to the other side, go to the other side. Even if you're in the middle of a storm, if he said, I'll meet you on the other side, and the storm is brewing, he will meet you to the other side. Even if it means you have to walk on water. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's give a bigger praise than that, because he's a faithful God. Hallelujah. Sometimes just let it out, church. Let it out. Hallelujah. Exodus 34, verse 6. Take it easy, Pastor Anthony. Why are you getting so excited, Pastor? Because we have a lot to be excited for, church. We have so much to be excited for. Exodus 34, verse 6 says, The Lord, the Lord. Pay attention. The Lord, the Lord. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And the list goes on. He's reliable. He's patient. He's long-suffering. Slow to anger. He's gentle. All of these characteristics we can strive for as we learn to press in with God. As we learn to dwell. As we learn to linger in His presence. This year is about dwelling, about lingering, about hanging out in the Lord's house and in His presence and with other like-minded saints of God. I googled what's the best definition of character, and this is what came up. The aggregate of features and traits that form the individual's nature of some personal thing. But then I looked up Galatians 5, and it sums it up pretty well, and I think we need this as a church and, and a body of believers. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to Christ Jesus will have crucified their sinful nature with their with the passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep step with the spirit let us not become conceited provoking and envying 
each other. We need godly fruit in our lives. We need Holy Spirit fruit. We need fruit of the Spirit in operation every day of our life. Hallelujah. As we yield to the Spirit, it will produce more fruit in us. This type of fruit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, right? Kindness, gentleness. So, as we spend time in the Lord's presence, we die to self. We crucify our sinful nature. We die to ourselves. We die to the flesh, its passions, its desires. And we walk and we work and we live in the Spirit, being guided and leaded by the Holy Spirit. Now, pressure in life will cause us either to grow in our character or, or yield to sin. It will, we will grow in our character or we will yield to sin. And it will corrupt our character and ruin, ruin our good name. It's up to us. It's a choice on how we're going to respond to the gospel message, to the moving of the Holy Spirit, and to the world standards. It's a choice. Romans 5, chapter 5 says, But we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, it says, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. Philippians 3, verse 10, I want to know Christ. You want to know Christ? I want to know Christ. And, maybe you don't want to know the second part, and the power of the resurrection, and the fellowship of His sharing. So we want to know Christ, and we want to know the resurrection, but do we want to know the fellowship of sharing in His suffering? Becoming like Him in death, and so somehow to obtain the resurrection from the dead. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. If it's me, or the church, or someone else, your focus is wrong. Amen. And your destiny will be wrong as well. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But how can we grow in purity and, and character if Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life? You can't. How can we gain forgiveness of sin if the perfect Lamb of God was never slain on the cross? Jesus Christ is that perfect Lamb. And he, he did die on the cross once and for all. For you, for me, for us, for the world. He was slain once and for all. He doesn't have to do it over and over again. He did it once. It's good enough. What he did was perfect and final. So many people know about Jesus, but they've never received Jesus. They're not saved. They're not born again believers. Oh, they might have done something great in the kingdom of God, or at least on appearance so. Maybe done it more than once. Who knows? Some, of, some have done this, what we call the sinner's prayer. Or they were water baptized as they were a child. And now they think they're saved. Now they think they're living this like great, great life. They feel safe. The truth is, many are sinking. Many are dying. Their character and their action does not suggest that they are truly saved. They live like the devil every day. So I reject this type of teaching that... Water, infant baptism leads to salvation. I know I'm going to get in trouble with that one. But I, I have a, a delete button on my computer when I get those emails. 
I reject that type of teaching that infant baptism leads to salvation because I don't see it, find it in the word of God. I reject the thought that you could be saved and live however you feel like living. The idea of once saved, always saved can be confusing at times. I even saw a, a, a message floating around today about it. But I leave those debates open for the, the theologians. And while Jesus says uh, Jesus saves, that is a 100% trustworthy uh, statement. Amen. He makes the final decision on who's saved and who's not saved. But he doesn't force us to receive salvation. He doesn't force it upon us. He makes it available to us. right? And the Bible says uh, that by faith in him... Right? It's not through our works. It's by placing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's through faith in Jesus Christ that you receive the gift of salvation, the gift of God. What I see in the Bible is that Jesus must be Lord of our life. Amen. It's not good enough to just know about him or do some good work for him. So many charities are doing some great works out there. They don't know Christ. We must make him king and master and Lord of our life. Do you know the devils believe in him too? The devils know him as well. The devil believes in God. Demons believe in God, yet they're not saved. Nor will they spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ and other saints of God. James chapter 2, you want to write this down. James chapter 2 verse 19 says, you believe that there is one God? Good. Thank you, Dave. Good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. So the belief in God, that God exists, doesn't save you. The belief even that he created us and that we didn't come from monkeys, that's not enough. Belief in that, in that he created the universe, not enough. Following some code or, or, or traditions, not good enough, that doesn't save you. Getting water baptized as, as an infant, right? When you don't know what you're doing, your mama just dunks you, they put something on your head. It's not good enough. It's not far enough, right? right. It, you, you're not an adult. You can't reason. You don't understand that, right? Even as an adult, being water baptized doesn't save you. This church teaches and believes that water baptism comes after salvation, not before it. Why is that? Because water baptism is an outward, it's an outward declaration of the inward work of God that took place in you and through you when you were reasonable and rational and being moved by the Holy Spirit and by faith. Amen. At salvation, you receive Holy Spirit. Before that, you are a broken, empty vessel. You are dead. You are the walking dead. You're, you're, you're walking as you're alive, but you're really dead. You don't even know it. You don't even recognize it because you can't even think. You're dead in your sins. And so you might be a person who has good character, might look like a good character. I had a, a, a mom here yesterday talking to me about her daughter and said, daughter? She didn't say that, but the way she did it was like, you see two daughters. I see the, you see the Christian one, I see the unholy one. Pray for my daughter. You see, we fake it. We don't believe it. How many in the church really believe the words of God? How many believe that this book is real? God sent it to us. Though man was, was inspired, right? But God, this is God's words to us. So many people, they don't read it. They don't understand it. They don't want to. They don't care about it. They reject it. Good character can only take you so far. Because the spirit of God is not leading you and not dwelling in you. And so, the, so your goodness is not good enough. You are truly lost. Even if you don't realize it. Even if you don't 
Accept it. You don't have to accept what I'm saying. One day you will take a knee and bow before God and he'll decide which direction you're going. But by your choice, you're lost. So many are lost and, and heading towards death and destruction or what many have called hell. Your, your destiny would be banishment from God's, God's presence and lost for eternity. I'm not going to debate that. People just want to debate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of some of those debates. This can get weary. Believe God's words or not. Amen. It's so simple. So what we want is character. To be moved and motivated by Holy Spirit, by God, not man. What We want godly fruit to be active and in operation in our lives. We want the fruit of the, the, fruit of the, of, of the Spirit to be in operation, right? They will know you are my disciples by, by my love, by your godly fruit, by your godly character. Our actions and attitudes mean something. Now, before we take communion uh, today, we'll give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. But really, the truth is, anytime you, anytime you can receive Jesus while you're living on earth and alive and breathing. Because once you die, your destiny is locked. You either rejected him or you received him. It's locked. And you don't get a second chance at that. You won't be able to argue or debate or philosophize or try to, try to trick or treat your way into, into heaven. You don't have enough money. You're not good enough looking. It's just not going to work. You're not going to trick God, right? You will be separated from God. And your future is a hell, a fire, a misery, a, of gnashing of teeth. Don't take your salvation... And, the, and this afterlife for granted. We're all spiritual beings. We're all going, in a way, going to die. But there is life after death, but we are not preaching reincarnation. That's not what we're saying. I, in fact, I reject that type of teaching. Sorry, I know I'm against billions of people right now. But I don't believe in reincarnation. But what I do believe is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And those are big difference. Putting our trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ instead of some ancestor that might come back and haunt us or help us. Meow. <laughs> We're spiritual beings. You might have to edit that. We're spiritual beings. And currently, our body. I'm sorry. I, 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 not, actually, I'm not sorry. Um, we're spiritual beings. And, uh, currently, our, you, you'll wake up tomorrow and you'll be like, what was that? What did he do? That's right. I meow. I'm not coming back as a cat or someone else's dog. Or, or If you didn't figure it out, I just told you. Because some people are like, what? Anyway, whatever. You'll get that tomorrow. I might get a call too. But we're spiritual beings, right? Um, we're, we're, our, our, our bodies of the flesh, though, this is a tent. This is only a temporary body. But one day... One day soon, what a glorious day it will be when Jesus will see. Amen? One day we're going to get these new bodies, these heavenly bodies, these glorious bodies, right? There'll be no pain, there'll be no suffering, there'll be no crying, there'll be no, right, no tears, no boo-hoo-hoo, no, you know, nothing. It's only going to be great. It's just going to be a great time. I can't even express it. It's going to be glorious beyond our imagination, beyond our understanding. Why would anybody not want that? Why would I want to like dress up like Hollywood in some kind of red devil demon jumping around? It's crazy to me. And then we celebrate that. Hey, what a great show. We spent millions of dollars to run around like a demon and a devil. What a glorious time this was. Go give them another plaque. 
blows my mind. It blows my mind. Why would anyone want less than what God, the God of creation, what the God of creation has for you? Why do you want anything less than that? It's beyond me. People choose hell over heaven every day. People choose hell over heaven every day in their doing and in their doing nothing, in their attitude, in their mindset. They think tomorrow's promised to them. It's not, right? Maybe not even the next hour. Who knows? But God's grace keeps keeping them alive and sustaining them. One day that trumpet will blow, right? It will blow. And there will be opportunities now to receive Jesus, but then that opportunity has passed. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. You receive Jesus today. Don't wait. In fact, tomorrow, next hours, not promised, right? If you never receive Jesus, if you're not sure where you stand with him, fear should grip your heart. I know we don't talk this way a lot, but I will tell you, I pray that fear grips your heart. Yeah, I pray that you tremble yes. in your being. Do I know Jesus? Am I going to be saved? Where am I going to go? Tremble! Not knowing. Fear should take over your heart and mind. If these words that I preach are true, then fear should take over. Not knowing where you're going to be tomorrow if you die, fear should take over. Why would you leave destiny to chance? Why would anyone do that? Why would any of the academic people in this world leave any of this to chance? It makes no sense. And so we need to study God's word and learn God's word, and meditate on God's words, not man. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God, it's living, it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing in the division of soul and spirit, right? It gets down into the joints and the marrows of, of, of one's body and discerning the thoughts and intention of someone's heart. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, for this very reason, watch this, make every effort, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brother, brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Too often in life, people chase power and prestige and position instead of purity and godly character. And the success of any person, pastor, minister, or leader should want to develop their godly character before they want to develop a godly ministry. I hope you got that. Those are good words. But even before you become an adult, let me say this. Before you even get married, before you even get into a serious relationship, you should work on your character. You should work on your purity. You should stay pure in your heart and in your body, right? Before you even become an adult, while you're, while you're a child, while you're a young adult, you should be working on your character. You should be working on your understanding of what this is. You should commit to purity. No matter what the world says, you commit to, oh, everyone's doing it. Commit to purity. Have character and integrity. God's character makes a difference. Good character makes a difference, but godly character you can't be. In fact, if you call yourself a Christian, you're not living the life that you were called to live, 
If you're living impure, if you're holding on to lifestyles and say, that's just me, and I can do whatever I feel like, I would say, stop doing it. Obey God's words. You can't do everything that you feel. It's not all right all the time. Stop telling people that you're a Christian. Maybe tell them you're a new Christian. There'll be some extra grace there. You're a work in progress. You're a new Christian. Pray that the Lord helps you. Pray that the Lord gives you wisdom. Pray that he guides you, right? And pray that he brings people around to give you guide and effort and help and direction. And we have people here that you can talk to. People, Walter Holdinghome, people from Teen Challenge, right? People in this church. You can talk to people and they can point you in a godly direction. Now the truth is we're all a work in progress. So let's not get all up here now. I said peon last year and I got last week and I got in trouble. I'll say it again. We ain't little peons down here. We're all a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. Right? In God's economy. We know where we stand. You're saved or you're not. But then it's a work unto the Lord. There's things that we're supposed to do. We're a work in progress. But if we don't have godly character, if we're not honest, if we're not trustworthy, if we're not reliable, if we're not doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, if we're not people of faith, obedient people of faith, we're giving Christ a bad reputation. We're giving Christians and his church a bad reputation. Christianity and godly character really should go hand in hand. Bad company corrupts good character. There's a lot of pressure on people. These days, peer pressure is strong. It's real. It's not just for kids. It's not just for teenagers. So many people want to live, want to be lived and loved, and you know, and and and, and want to just be wanted. I get that, but they sell themselves too short. They reject God's words and and they live for others instead of living for for God. They reject God's authority and His words, and they live for themselves or for others. Uh, that is why parents need to be critical and not critical, but it needs to be crucial, I should say, uh, that they teach and raise up their kids in godliness, and holiness, and purity at a young age, because it's going to affect one's character. It's going to affect their behavior for sure. Who you hang out with, what you read, what are you doing? It's going to affect how you think and eventually it's going to show up in your behavior. Why am I doing this? Because you're not doing this. Why are you doing this? Because you're reading that, because you're playing that. And you're not doing the things that you ought to be doing. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 says, Therefore, my dear brother, stand firm. Let nothing move you, always giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We work as believers now unto the Lord, not to the man. And we are to work on our character and stay pure in body, in mind, in our soul. Stand firm against developing bad character and against bad characters. There'll be many people who want to hurt you. Many people who want to corrupt you and lead you astray. We need godly parents. And we need godly people in our lives to guide us and lead us. Most importantly, we need to be saved and have the Holy Spirit dwell in us. So that we can be moved and motivated by the Holy Spirit guidance. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in faith. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Many people are not standing firm in their faith. They are not resisting the devil's temptation. And they are yielding to sin. 
Timothy was a person of godly character. He was trustworthy. He and Paul were like-minded. They wanted to see God's church grow and, and people saved and to develop and mature in the ways of the Lord. For us to grow and mature in Christ, we have to die to self. We have to die to self and live for him. And many people receive the word of God only for a moment, only for a short time. Or allow the, and they allow the cares of the world to choke them out. But developing godly character leads to godly action. Philippians 3, verse 7 and 9. I'm telling you, sometimes you need to hear these messages again. Sometimes you need to write down these verses and meditate on them. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider them lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that what? That I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Now once we're saved and living for Christ, our thought process should be changed too. And we should yield to the Holy Spirit's guidance. Developing godly character leads to godly action. We can start to develop our godly character and purity of heart by controlling our thoughts, controlling your mind, controlling what you think on. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. You know these small books in the Bible? They're powerful. All the books of the Bible give us truth. But some of these small books, man, they're, they're pumped up. And that P in Philippians means power up, power <laughs> 4, 8, and 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or have received or have heard from me or seen in me, what? Put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You must learn about such things. But we don't always put these things into practice. We have knowledge. But we don't have practice. We don't have obedience. What good is it to know something and not put it into practice? It's like knowing that there's a life preserver out there for you that can save you when you're drowning and you refuse it. We're all spiritually drowning in, in one time of our life. And if we don't have Jesus as Lord and Master, we're definitely sinking and we're dead. But not knowing how to use your life jacket or, or preserver doesn't help you or save you. If you don't embrace it, if you don't wear it, it won't save you either, right? Let's say you fall off a boat and you're floating in the ocean and the sea and you're getting tired and the waves are getting higher and higher. Knowing that there's a life jacket nearby doesn't help you if you don't reach out for it and get it. It doesn't help you if, if, if you can't get to it or won't embrace it or wear it. So seeing it from a distance doesn't help you. Being in close proximity of this flotation device doesn't help you either if you don't trust it, if you can't wear it, if you can't get to it. What good is the knowledge of it? Being aware of truth doesn't mean you embrace that truth. You can be aware of that truth, but you don't embrace it as truth. And saying some, some prayer without meaning or not remaining in your faith doesn't make you saved either. Maybe your parents have told you about this type of life jacket. And it saved them. That doesn't mean you are saved. It's not until you reach out and embrace that life preserver and wear it for yourself and put it on. Tradition doesn't help you either. My parents were saved early in life. They loved the Lord. 
And their parents were saved too. We have generations of people of faith in our family. And we're blessed because of it. I believe God put his blessing for generations on our family. People of faith built on Christ and the solid foundation of the apostles and prophets. But those blessings, they don't save you. They don't save you. They might help you gain something. That might give you some insight. That might give you a, a head start in life. But that doesn't save you. You might be blessed because of your parents and your grandparents and their parents. But if you're not saved, if you don't receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right? You're lost. You die. And, you, you're, and, and, and you're gonna, your destiny is, is going to be hell or banishment from God. And the generational blessings stop with you. Knowing about Jesus doesn't mean you're saved. Praying a prayer of faith is not being saved either. Now, you might even be in a bad place and cry out to God, Oh, God, I need you. Rescue me. Help me. And he might heal you. He might, he might heal you of a sickness or disease. But that doesn't mean that you received Jesus. That doesn't mean you've given your life over to him. That means you have another day or another moment in time. It doesn't mean that you're living for him. It doesn't mean that you're saved. The Holy Spirit awakens and convicts you. Jesus saves you. And once you do that, make him Lord and Master of your life, immediately at that moment, you're saved. You're no longer working for yourself. It's not about following some kind of law. It's about following Jesus and walking in his faith, having a faith in Jesus and that relationship in Jesus. Put him first in your life. So many people want the blessings that he has for them, but they don't want him. The Bible says, be ye holy because I am holy. By the way, church, that's not a suggestion. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 and 16 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he has called you as holy, be holy in all that you do. For it's written, be holy because I am holy. Character is key in living the life we were called to live. Purity is key as well. Be holy. Be set apart. Godly character leads to godly action. If you look at the world, if you look like the world, you, you probably are of the world. Once saved, we are to be different. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't have to wear uh, different clothes. But maybe it does at times because what you wear might make you look like a prostitute or a pimp or be inappropriate as a child of God. We need to learn how to be different in the world because we are different. And what the world has, they have too much of. What the world needs is Jesus. What we have. More than that, our goal should be to lead you and others to Christ Jesus and to a better life. Not to keep you broken or beaten down or in a dark place. Lifestyle, our lifestyle, our words, our deeds, our actions matter. Too many people just want Jesus, they know Jesus, but they really don't want to change when they meet him, but that's impossible. We need to come to Jesus. There's no other way to Father God but through Jesus. When you experience Jesus, your life will be different. Again, there's a major problem. People want Jesus and the benefits and the blessing, but they don't want to be changed by him. I'm telling you, saints of God, we need to change. We need to walk in godly character and be pure and be people that have integrity. Yes. We need to learn to develop a pure heart. 
No matter what we go through, sickness or in health, it doesn't matter what we go through, the struggles, the trials, we are to walk in character and godliness. How we respond is so important. Other people are watching. But our godly character should be advanced as we die to self and, and live for him. This should be our desire and our goals that we should work for. Being God's presence daily. Read his word regularly. Desire to be at these altars more often and be like-minded people. We'll be part of the family of God, his church, his bride. Desire for his kingdom to advance. Pray for his kingdom to advance. Pray that people are sent into the marketplace. That there'll be laborers. The harvest is ready. Pray to be utilized by God daily and, and regularly. Desire more of what he has for you. This means we read his word and um, learn his heart and stay in his presence longer. When you experience Jesus and he, he touches your heart and soul, you want a pure life. You should have a pure life, a transformed heart. You're no longer the same. You're a new creation. So your thinking and action and attitudes ought to change. They should be changed. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The old one has gone. The new one has come. Once you receive Jesus, you're a better version of you. The old was ugly and nasty. Now you're like, you're a new creation. There should be a shine. You should be shining for Jesus. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Walk in that authority, in that power, in that action. You should start having godly fruit. Godly character leads to godly action. I want to encourage all of us. Be diligent in these matters, the word of God says. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone might see your progress. It says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Continue in them. Continue to live by faith. Why? Because if you do that, you will save both yourself and your hearers. There are things that we are to do. There are actions that we must take. Amen? As we transition to this time of communion, I need you to know that this is a special time in the church for Christians. Some people don't like when I say this, but it's just the way it is. It's the reality. This is a church. We're leading you to Christ and righteousness. If you are not a born-again believer, if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't know where you stand and you continue to refuse Him, do not take communion. This is not for everyone. And so if you are here today as a seeker or seeking of truth or watching from afar and you have not received Jesus in a personal way or you have not repented for your sins, we ask you, even at home, don't participate in this time. 1 Corinthians 11 gives us really give, uh, clear instructions to the non-believer and even to the Christian who has not repented for their sins. Verse 27 says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And it goes on to say that it brings judgment on themselves. In fact, it goes on to say that is why some of you, us, some of you are sick and even die. This is New Testament, church. This ain't the Old Testament. And so for the Christian, for the majority of us here and watching, I would believe, now is the time to examine your heart and repent for your sins. 
For the non-believer, or the one who's doubting and not sure if they're saved or not, today's the day that you can receive Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Verse 13, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, everyone can be saved who calls upon the name of the Lord. And so simply speak to God from your heart. Speak to Jesus from your heart. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and be Lord and master of your life. Ask him to help you to stop sinning and start living that pure and holy life. If that's you today, you can raise your hands. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to welcome you into the kingdom of God. And we just want to pause for a moment. But there's something about taking a stand and stepping out and receiving Jesus. Or oh, the Lord's talking to people. Repent. Turn your life over to the Lord. Speak to Him from your heart. You're watching from home and you receive Jesus? Call us. Speak with us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to welcome you into the kingdom of God. And if you don't want to do it through this house, find someone immediately and say, Today, I received Jesus. If you can't do that, you probably didn't. Because if that joy is not filling your heart, then maybe, maybe it was what you smoked last night. Don't wait another moment to receive Jesus. Now, once you repented for your sins, received Jesus, examined your hearts, we can take part in communion as a family of believers. Even if you just made that decision right now, right now, because salvation is immediate when you receive Jesus, immediate. And so as the believer's praying, as a believer saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins, I repent for what I'm doing, I turn away from it, I look to you, I look to the cross, I look to the work that you've done. Let me bless this bread, representing symbolic of the body of Christ, what he did on the cross. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this bread, your body that was bruised and battered. You went to the cross because you love us so much. You took on that pain and shame on that cross for us. You died so that we can have eternal life in you. Bless this bread now. The Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he gave thanks, he broke it. Let's break. And this is my body which is done for you. Do in remembrance of me. Let's take this together as a family. This juice, symbolic of the blood that was shed on the cross. Jesus, we thank you for the blood that was shed. You stained that cross, you stained the floor. Because you knew that by those stripes, by that blood shed, there would be redemption for sin. That we, by, by your stripes, we are healed. We thank you, Lord, for us, those who have received Jesus. For us, we know that we can hold on to your promises. That every one of your promises that you have for us will come true. 
and those who deny you, they will come out true as well, that they'll have a different end. We know, Lord, that you can still heal the sinner and the saint. But we know, God, one day we will see that healing in heaven, but we pray that we'll see it on earth. Bless this juice. Jesus' name, amen. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take this together. Please stand. Let's worship the Lord. These altars are open. Let's worship the, the, the Lord now. Come to these altars. This song. We pray for you. We love you, church.
Hey guys, thank you so much for watching today's video. Give us a like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you know every time we post a new video. See you next time!